A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Neil Schaefer. Ta-da! Everyone gets the song. Oh, and I read that you were a drummer in a Japanese band, which is incredibly intriguing. And you know what? My drumsticks are always at hand, too, just in case someone says that. So, <laughs> Are you one of these really annoying drummers who sits in, in bars and on trains and restaurants going... Oh, back in the day, yeah. I bought that little thing that you basically, uh, it has a strap on it. You put on your, your thigh and you, and you drip because you always, at the beginning, you really need to get that sense of rhythm. And in order to get the sense of rhythm, you just, it's, you know, it's repetition. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was one of those annoying people. Uh, you still <laughs> may see me. We used to, <laughs> we used to have drumsticks in the car and I used to like bang the dashboard when, uh, when my brothers would drive growing up and we obviously ruined a lot of car dashboards for that reason. But, uh, yeah, drumming's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually a bass player, double bass player. And the drummer in our band had one of those and it was, uh, made out of kind of some kind of weird material. It didn't make much noise, but it was pretty annoying because he would do it in the van for three hours at a stretch and it would yep, end up yep. getting annoying. Whereas a double bassist, your practicing is like that. You do this this movement and that movement, so it doesn't annoy anybody. Anyway, that you wasn't the top. One of my best friends was a bass player. He was like a funk bass player. Just always reminded Ooh. me that bands, it was all about the bass. So full respect for bass players. Megan Rayner says that. It's all about the bass, about yeah. the bass, no treble. But bass players don't really exist without drummers, and drummers don't really exist without bass players. The bass kind of is the bridge between the drums and the and the rest of the band. It's the key combo, without a doubt. Yeah, so we have to be friends, whether we like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in fact, right, we'll get back back to topic. I mean, I told you just before we started, I'm into brand serps and personal brand serps. So the first thing I do is search your name. You've got a great brand, sir. You rank number one with your own site. You've got your knowledge panel on the right, thanks to your books. Um, your brand, sir, looks great. Uh, and I was, uh, what I try and do is get myself onto it through this podcast. And I was trying to get up there and I didn't manage it with you. So you have a very strong brand, sir. Do you actually do any work on that? Or is it just because you're so out there? I owe it to Google Plus, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I think that you know, it's funny. I was, um, I don't know if you listen to any podcasts, but uh, there's one, My own. I don't know how, I don't know what people in the SEO world think of him. His name was, I think his name is Brandon Gailey, the blogging millionaire podcast. I don't know if you ever heard of him. All oh, right. No, I've never heard of him. Do tell. Oh, he, it, it, it's actually an amazing podcast for digital marketers that, that want to learn more about SEO. I said, or bloggers that want to learn more about SEO. So oh, he, so he, you know, uh, right now he's doing a series with HREFs. And he's actually referring to an Ahrefs article about how long that, that Ahrefs did this amazing study of, you know, top 10 search results in Google and how most of the content was published like years ago. Really? Like, okay. You're not going to get the page one within a few months, basically, is, is, is how the data study goes. And, yeah, and, and that's a false idea that people have. They think, oh, I'm going to post this brilliant new article. And you said, but you, you don't have the history. You don't have all yeah. that um, historical in, engagement and proof that yeah. this article is actually any good. So actually trying to take somebody's spot becomes very, very difficult the longer somebody's been there. I had a, a site. We, we ranked for kids' games, and I didn't change the page for 10 years, and it was still ranking. There you go. He said the average was like three years. So uh, okay. case, case in point, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I launched my blog back in 2008. And although it wasn't the name Neil Schaefer, I used various brand names. 
I realized as I was writing my latest book about influencer marketing that the greatest brand that that I believe you can have is is your name. And, oh, is uh, that when you switched the name? Yeah, of the I, I had windmillnetworking.com, maximizeyoursocial.com, maximizesocialbusiness.com, and then I rebranded just everything because I was I was competing against myself with two different sites, uh, and I just rolled it all into one neilshafer.com, Neil Schaefer on social media. The spelling is a little bit tricky for people. I have to say, you know, I'm the real Neil, like any A-L. Um, the Schaefer's, you know, it, it, there's also some misspellings. There's like an N-E-E-L Schaefer that's out there that he must have my name as strategic keywords. I don't know. But but yeah, it just, I, I've been doing it and I'm very active in social media. And we know, it's funny, I'm writing an, an ebook on LinkedIn. I'm doing a revision on it. And okay. it's like, okay, let's look at, let's look at my, my top search results for my name. Number one, Google. Number two, Twitter. Uh, because I'm, I'm verified. I'm, I, I assume that helps. Um, and then number three, LinkedIn, number four, Amazon. Uh, I don't have a Wikipedia page, but you know, because I've been doing it and because it's social media, because I, I'm sure that Amazon helps and helps all these help link everything else together. I have mm -hmm. a podcast, you know, it's on Google podcasts. So I think just being everywhere, if you really want to own your, your branded SERP space, uh, social media is, is obviously, I believe, a critical uh, piece to that. And that's just what I do for a living is, you know, social media marketing. So Definitely, yeah. And, and one thing with the, the knowledge panel on the right-hand side, uh, in, in fact, the, the knowledge panel appears to be either people who've got into the knowledge graph themselves or people who, have, who are in Google Books. Google Books provides a lot of these knowledge panels, and especially with writers, and I've been noticing it more and more with the guests we've had recently. Um, the, the Google Books is, is what's filling your knowledge panel. Uh, and your four books, and that's it. And you don't have a Wikipedia page, but you don't need one because you've written your four books. Yeah, I mean, the Wikipedia page, you 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 know, you lose control of your brand. So it's something I've actually never, I've never really pursued it or never wanted to. Um, never well, thought I needed it. So <laughs> no, 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 that hundred percent. And going back to your site, I got on your site, and the first thing I saw was a start here button. I love that. Why, why did you put that? You know. As a digital marketer, we're always learning. We're always influenced by others. So, for instance, in the podcast episode that I'm publishing tomorrow, for the first time before my intro music, I'm going to have a teaser where I talk like 30 seconds about what the episode's about before going into the intro music. And I heard this on one or two other podcasts, and to me, it sounded very effective uh, as a listener. So the Start Here button is also, and it, it's actually a page I've yet to complete. It's like this six, 7,000 word, like, all about my history. And I think it stops like in the year 2000. So I still got some work to do on that. But I really just wanted to let people know, you know, who I am. If you're here for the first time, here's how I want you to navigate through the site. You know, here are the categories. Yeah. Here, here are some lead magnets. If you want to read further, because, I, you know, as I was writing this book on influencer marketing, you know, part of it was the personal branding of Neil Schaefer. The other part is in a world where every brand can compete with every small business, every blogger to try to gain, uh, you know, good search results. Um, the only way that people have an advantage is by that human emotion, that the fact that you're a person. So the more, and, and I think we find this, especially in social media, especially on sites like Instagram, the more personal, the more emotional, the more relatable we are, uh, the more that sticks because at, on the other end of the screen is a person. And that's how people can defeat brands in social media engagement. That's why we see influencers when, you know, any, you know, monster drink or, uh, you know, Sour Patch Kids, they could have become influential brands on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, but but they didn't because they weren't yeah. people. They, they, they couldn't do what people are doing, right? So I realized at some point that I want to use that to my advantage and try to create this this one page of content that's, that's really emotional, really digs 
deep into my story to try to create an attachment. Um, right. and, and like, like you, right? Like, Hey, you know, I, I have, I, I've studied French. Uh, I studied art history. Uh, I play drums we, as professionals. We all have these various data points that can help to find connections with other people. Should they come and, and press that start here button? So it's yeah. not like, Hey, I want you to buy my course, start here. Uh, no. it's like, Hey, this is who I am. And I want you to know that, you know, here's why I have this perspective on, on digital that I have. So you're, you're saying, come on in. Here's, here's how I want you to uh, approach knowing me, get to know me, and then maybe something will happen between us. And and you're talking about people, which is wonderful. And I know it's somewhere on your site. It might have been on that page, actually, um, that you're saying social media was made for people and brands and companies are kind of trespassing on, on that territory. Tell me more about that. I love that idea. I've never really thought of it that way. Yeah, I've been saying this for like a decade. Um, oh, I should have listened earlier then, I eh? Yeah, no, well, no worries. <laughs> you know, um, I think that businesses just, um, you know, it, it really, it, it's funny because I kept saying it, and I said this before, social really became the pay-to-play media that it is today, right? So, um, you know, businesses would just come, and a lot of them still do it. They just see it as one-way communication. They just see it as a way to advertise. Yeah. And, you know, Jason, as you know, there, there's – you know, a lot of SEOers focus on the technical side, but I know you're one of the good ones who also understand there's a mindset. Like, yeah. why is branded SEO so freaking important? I mean, I have clients where I help them. I'm not an SEOer, but, you know, I'm dangerous enough to know a little bit about everything. Uh, and, you know, and, and it's like, okay, well, we got the unbranded keywords. What about the branded keywords? And if if you're one of my companies is a consumer brand, they sell through Walmart, they, they sell through Amazon, they sell through Target. But, you know, they don't own the top space for branded keywords, right? And they want to own it. So, and, nope. and I'm sure there's lots of companies like that, right? So, so it is a critical issue. Um, you know, why are we number seven? We should be number one, that type of thing. Yeah, um, sure. And once you own, I mean, the, the idea of owning the branded keywords is, A, you're, you're pushing the message that you want over to the people who are actually searching for your brand, who might be existing customers and might be prospects. But more than that, if, if you can sort that out, it means that Google respects what it is you're saying about yourself and what's being spread around the web on social media or on videos, uh, which is a very good sign for the rest of your strategy. Yeah, you know, Jason, what I'm finding... Um, and maybe you've already come to this conclusion. I'm finding that we obviously have had an explosion in content marketing over the last decade. Yeah. And there's a lot of, and, and my client, this one client in particular, the same, a lot of blog content, which is great, starting to rank for these non-branded keywords, but you know they don't have enough customer education content, so they can't rank for the branded keywords. So you know we're looking at, well, we can add more content to the product pages, which is definitely going to help. But that customer education piece, and I think, especially with coronavirus, that's become more critical for brands as a way to engage with their community is to provide more of that. So for those of you that are listening that are trying to figure out that branded, that, that's always been my advice is really focus on the customer education. It doesn't necessarily need to be through blog content, but you should have enough product content to be able to serve all those branded keywords. And if you don't, then you need to develop more. That's always been yeah. I do 100%. We're talking to David Averin last week also about owning uh, the, the space when people are actually searching after the purchase to make sure that you keep them on board and don't lose them. Um, it, I, I was going to go down a rabbit hole about coronavirus and how that's changed things for influencer marketing, but uh, I really want to stick on topic for once in my life. You say that marketers have been miseducated on influencer marketing. Um, what do you mean by miseducated? I mean, I, I had no idea about uh, influencer marketing a couple of years ago. Now I know a bit. Well, Why are you, you know, saying? Yeah, I mean, so so part of its mindset, and it actually relates that social media was made for people, not for businesses, right? So, I'm right, okay. 
social media, you know, one-way channel. Um, and when when you see it, not as a one-way channel, but as a way to, that that's truly where the public is, where they engage, as a way to engage with others and the benefits you can gain from that, you just take a completely different perspective. So it's sort of like, um, I'm looking for a good example here. Um, you know, email marketing. You mean I can't just, you know, uh, opt you in and then blast you with emails? And no, the engagement matters. The ISPs look at that, um, you know, yeah. a quality email address. So, so the, the quality begins to be more important. And I will be very honest. I started a podcast back in 2013 as a content marketing initiative. And I was not a consumer podcast. And mm-hmm. I did not start consuming podcasts until last year when I revamped my podcast, realizing that I've been doing it all wrong. And, and now your podcast, how, how are you pitching it? I mean, you're saying it's a content marketing podcast. What, oh, no, no, no. Changed? Oh, no, no, no. The, the, the podcast was a content marketing initiative of mine. That, Excuse me. Hey, hey, marketers, you got to be, you got to be podcast. You got to have a YouTube, you know, but without respecting that native channel without, especially being a consumer of that content and really engaging as a user would, you miss out on, on a tremendous amount. I felt that myself, even my, in my own small business. So influencer marketing is something that's really, really interesting. And I've written, you know, we were talking beforehand, I've written four books. My first two are on LinkedIn. My next book was really about social media marketing strategy social media marketing ROI back in 2012, 13, when it was still a mystery to most companies. And over the last two to three years, I've just got a lot of questions about not just influencer marketing, but hey, how do I become an influencer, right? And it sort of ties into personal branding and and what have you. And I think it's really happened with the emergence of what we can call the Instagram influencer, the, the Snapchat influencer, the TikTok influencer, the YouTuber, which is a relatively new phenomenon. We've always had blogger outreach. We've always had affiliate marketing. You know, these are types of influence marketing when you think about it. I, I think I'm jumping ahead here. But, you know, marketers were, were just thinking of influencer marketing was it was limited to consumer brands. It was limited to these newer platforms where they're primarily millennial, if not Gen Z and demographic. And it was limited to one-time transactions of paying, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, or at least hundreds of dollars, just for one post without knowing how well that's going to perform just to get a lot of vanity engagement. Yeah. So, and, and that's really important. The vanity side is, is, is a lot of businesses become very uh, vanity. What do you say? Vanitous? Is that the right word? I'm, or vanitous. am I thinking in French? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if vanitous is a word, but just, you know, they're, they're just <laughs> embracing the vanity metric is, is sort of the way that I'd put it. But, um, you know, what, what you have though is, so I look at marketing extremely holistically and I believe there's basically six major pieces to the puzzle that you need Ooh. for digital marketing. So, okay. and, and, and so obviously you need a website or, or app. I mean, you need to have a digital footprint. That, that's where it starts, right? Yep. So then, hey, people search for things. You obviously need to have search engine optimization and you can, there's, there's organic and there's paid as well with, with pay-per-click, what have you. Mm-hmm. Then you need email. Right. So email marketing, marketing automation, those three are sort of traditional digital marketing. Right. Then we get into sort of content marketing. And part of that is sort of blogging. Part of it are these these lead magnet assets, the the, the white papers, the webinars, events, whatever you want to call it. And then and obviously that helps the SEO, it helps email marketing. Then you get into the organic social media marketing, which would be number five. And now we have a paid social media marketing. And that's where most companies stop. And the fact right. of the matter is that organic social media for most companies is dead. Uh, it is just it, it just does not perform like, you know, originally 
back in the early days when, you know, 10% of your fans would see every time you published on Facebook, yeah. we were, I don't know if you remember, Jason, there were companies that were forwarding their domain to their Facebook page. Do you remember that? I believe Smartwater was one of them. No, uh, yeah, I, I remember. And, and you had also the people who were saying, you know, visit our fa- Facebook page on all their uh, outdoor ads. And Everywhere. I'm thinking, why are you giving all your uh, equity away to Facebook? That's mad. Right, exactly. But th- this was it. This was viral word of mouth marketing was going to happen on social media. And that's the mindset. And many marketers still have that mindset today. It's not how it works. These are pay to play networks, right? I know that some companies do better than others organically, but at the end of the day, you know, social media was made for people. People are always going to outperform brands in the algorithm for a variety of reasons. So as I saw this, well, who owned the art? People own the algorithms. The emergence of the influence over the last few years is because especially on visual networks where, you know, content creators are very challenged, they're creating better content, better, authentic, relatable content than brands are who still see it as an advertising medium. So now we get to the point where if you want to incite that word of mouth, right, that social media, organic social media was all about, Mm -hmm. you need to collaborate with other people. It's not going to happen on your own. And what's really funny is, as I did more research on this, that you know, B2B companies have actually been doing this for a long time. Podcasters, whenever you invite someone on your podcast, you often will look for someone that is more influential than you in hopes that they will share your podcast with their community. You know, the, the interview podcast that that permeates our industry, um, th- that's influential. Like this one. You know, bl- blogger outreach, right? It's you are and and the the concept of influence goes beyond social media in Google's eyes. Right. The influence of your website is that if people are reaching out to you asking for a link, whether blatantly or in the form of a guest blog post, in quotes, mm-hmm. uh, it's because they see you as an influencer and you right. have influence in Google's eyes and they want to tap into your influence. It's the same thing. So when you look at this very holistically, you realize that influence is everywhere. Uh, it, it goes beyond medium. It, 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 there's influence in Google's eyes as there are influence with email marketing, with, with the track record that your list has in ISP's eyes, um, as it is in social media. And the other thing is that when you realize these trends that, you know, organic social is, is almost dead for businesses, it, it's become pay to play, but people trust advertising less and less and right. trust people like us more and more. Um, you know, if you, you, you know, you need to be in search, you need to be an email, you need to be in social. That's where people digitally spend their time. That's where you get awareness. And that social part is the part that you cannot do on your own anymore. The search, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, working with other uh, webmasters can definitely help. Um, mm-hmm. Email, these are two things that you still have a lot of control over, relatively speaking. The social, you really don't. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And just one, one last piece of data, Jason, is that even in the influencer marketing industry, which I consider myself sort of a disruptor because a lot of, a lot of people are like, who are you? You haven't been doing this for a decade. And that's the whole point. Yeah. And I, I bring a, a fresh perspective is that even in that industry, they were all infatuated with like celebrities and macro influencers. Then a few years ago, they started talking about micro influencers. You only need to have 10,000 followers to have influence. And then more recently, they talk about nano influencers that only have a thousand followers. So we're at the point now where media influence has become so democratized that I go to companies, I say, look, how many of your employees have a thousand followers, right? Uh, mm-hmm. How many of your customers, your followers, how many people that mention you in social media, how many of your, your partners, distributors, resellers, affiliate marketing partners, right? Sure. There's, there's, so there's a lot of 
people out there that are influencers, why wouldn't you start with those that already like, know, and trust you, that have brand affinity for you? Why well, wouldn't you start with them rather than reach out to someone that doesn't know you, you that that you know seems influential, that probably has a broad reach, but it's not niched. And if you work with them, it tends to be a one-time transaction that's going to be very expensive. And you don't get the long-term ROI that you get when you work with people. I'll stop right. No, no, no. Great. Okay. So, so what you're saying is as a brand, it's, I mean, A, I agree with you. I'm mean, 100%. My, my clients and people I talk to think that social media is this kind of advertising or, or, sorry, I can talk about myself all the time and people will hook onto my brilliant message and buy from me. And of it's course. actually a, a first, first point of contact. But you're saying they really need to go through people. Uh, be it their employees, people they already know, their existing clients, or influencers, and brands won't survive on social media without people to go through. Well, you're not going to get, you're not going to incite word of mouth. So, you know, brands need to have an organic social presence. It, it provides credibility. It mm. provides an outlet. It, you know, it, it's a listening outpost. It's an engagement outpost. But what I'm saying is, instead of looking at social media as another form of advertising as, you know, how many reach, how many impressions, how yeah. many clicks, instead of looking at it that way, look at it as a great place to collaborate with others that can help incite word of mouth. And when you look at it, like I said, Jason, at the beginning, it's about mindsets. If you shift your mindset, you know, there's a lot of friends you can make in social media that can really help uh, with that mindset. So instead of thinking about clicks, thinking about how many other people can we get to talk about our brand? How can we right. incite that? You know, Jason, when I publish this new book, which I always conveniently have right next to me, <laughs> along with the drum here, um, the age of influence, um, you know, I realized that if I wanted to, if I wanted to uh, sell more, I need to get people talking about it. Right. Yeah. And, and ideally in, it's the search social email. So in social, how do you get people talking about it? you, you send copies out to people that that might be interested in, right? To and who am I going to send them out to? Am I going to am I going to spend thousands of dollars on an Instagram influencer in hopes that they post one photo that might get a hundred thousand impressions, but it's completely irrelevant to my audience? Or yeah. do I go back to people that reviewed my previous books, right? Do I go back to people that wrote endorsements? Do I go back mm -hmm. to my clients? Well, it's, um, it's, I mean, it's maintaining the relationships and it's looking at the what seems to be the smaller things. I think people get too ambitious too quickly. They think, I've done that, that's done. That person who wrote an article about my book is not important enough anymore. I'm going to go for the yeah. New York Times. Is that got, correct? Got the link. Let's move on. It, it, it's exactly. And really, the ROI comes, like I said, from the long-term relationships where people talk about you or your brand without asking, right? Mm. And, okay. and therefore, you know, Jason, maybe you've had it where, like, you know, companies reach out to you. We, we want you to try our latest SEO tool. And if you like it, we'd love it if you write a blog post. This is this is influencer marketing, right? And hey, we offer a one month trial. Sign up here. It's like you're reaching out to an influencer who is a content creator because mm -hmm. every influencer is a content creator, and yet you're not. You're just giving them a free trial that anybody can get. Or on the other hand, we'll yeah. give it to you for ninety days. Ninety days later, they reach out to you. Oh, you haven't written a blog post. Sorry, we have to stop your your free trial. It, you, you yeah, it's, that that strikes me as is, is there. I mean, people do reach out to me and they say, "Can you try our product and write a blog?" And you're saying, "Do you realize I've actually got an awful lot of other things to do, and your product isn't the most important thing on my list?" And right as you said, after ninety days, they cut the account off, and you're saying, "What what message does that send me?" It sends me the message that I'm not important. And I will never do business with that company again. And I will never refer my clients to that company either. And if I have to, you know, anyway, so, so when you're dealing that, that's what people don't realize because they use automated outreach 
emails, and I think we've all we've all used these, you know, um, without really understanding the person and realizing that these are not just people that are email addresses that we're randomly reaching out to in order to reach our quota. These are influencers, mm -hmm. right? There aren't that many content creators. Maybe you know, one percent of internet users are content creators. So the the ninety nine rule says that was developed maybe fifteen years ago, but. You know, when you reach out to influencers, you don't want to make those mistakes because once you burn the bridge, you're never going to be able to have a relationship with that influencer again. So, yeah, will, will you stand by that? That uh, sorry, will you stand by that figure of one percent of internet users are creators? It, you know, it's I use that rule when we talk okay. about this micro and nano influencers. So that old rule said internet users are ninety percent lurkers, nine percent commenters, or I would say engagers now, one percent content okay. creators. So oh, if, like Link if LinkedIn has 650 million, well, close to 700 million users, right? That means that there are 7 million users that actually post status updates on LinkedIn, which I think might be pretty accurate. It means okay. that okay. on Instagram, if there are 1 billion users, that means that there are 10 million people that are really actively posting photos. To me, that, that you know, there might be a little bit more, maybe that 1% gets to be 2 or 3%. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really, it, it's a relevant way to look at social media. For general blogging, I think it's another issue. But looking at the top 1%, it's a, first of all, it's a lot of people, right? Um, yeah. But yes, I mean, influences are content creators. And when you reach out to a content creator, you want to make sure that you have all your ducks aligned uh, and that you are are treating them with, with the respect because you want to collaborate with them. You don't want them to do something for you in exchange for something that has no value. Uh, and many brands make that mistake because they have that mindset that just like social media marketing, influencer marketing, it's sort of campaign based. When we have a need, we'll blast them with emails. We'll give, you know, we'll give a free one month or, you know, hey, our product's $100. We'll give you a free $20 Amazon gift certificate after you publish the blog post uh, to, to help reduce the fees. It just it makes no sense. Um, so, it, it, you know, really, the book hopefully is a wake up call to many that. It's about social media is about collaboration and those that collaborate well with people are naturally going to be talked about. It really comes down to that. Brilliant. That's an absolutely brilliant uh, phrase to end it on. Uh, people who collaborate, it's all going to move through for us. That's absolutely brilliant, Neil. Thank you very much for that. I've learned loads. I'm going to go and listen back to it, write it all up. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Neil.